Hey, Keith, did you hear the news? They've just cast the lead for Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I heard it. Sonequa Martin-Green, she plays Sasha on The Walking Dead. Which is kind of funny because uh, I think they gave away the next character who's going to die on that show. I just wonder if she's going to wear a red shirt. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. Geek Counter Geek, episode number 76. Keith Conrad alongside Elliot Serrano. Elliot, this was just a huge week for uh, for movie trailers, wasn't it? I mean, we had Spider-Man Homecoming, War for the Planet of the Apes, and then uh, Dunkirk dropped. And, um, you know, I, I'm honestly kind of excited for all three of them, but uh, Planet of the Apes is the one I'm least excited about, but uh, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, it seems like they, they're just taking like a, at least from the trailer, they're taking like a, a completely different approach with uh, with Spider-Man, and I appreciate it. Yeah, and <clears throat> they've uh, decided, obviously, to kind of play up the connection that Spider-Man is part <clears throat> of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, this is the first time we've even seen any other characters from the MCU appear in a Spider-Man film, <clears throat> which, uh, believe it or not, actually got a couple of my colleagues annoyed on social media because they were saying that, oh, that's baloney, you know, they're setting up Tony Stark as Peter Parker's mentor, but he didn't have a mentor in the comics, to which I responded, actually, that is incorrect. Uh, Reed Richards was <clears throat> a mentor of sorts to young Peter Parker way back in the 60s. Um, uh, Spider-Man even wanted to join the Fantastic Four at one point. And that didn't happen for different reasons. Obviously, that was before the most recent movie. Yeah, yeah, he was bright enough to not do that. <clears throat> so um, they have, you know, since Marvel doesn't have the rights to Fantastic Four, uh, they decided to slide Tony Stark into the kind of the mentorship role, which even occurred within the comics uh, in a few short years ago during the the first quote unquote civil war. <clears throat> when Tony Stark and um, and Peter pa- Peter Peter Pan Peter Parker became very ch- chummy, did the, the the controversial revelation of his secret identity to the entire world uh, took place during that run, and then um, to Peter turned on Tony, and next thing you knew, uh, Mary Jane had to give up the true love that her and Peter had to Mephisto to make it that the world forgot. Spider-Man's true identity. Again, more convoluted than an episode of Days of Our Lives, but, you know, that's comics for you. Well, I think, you know, that that's one thing about, uh, you know, comic book characters that have been around for a long time, you know, and, and they've run into this with Star Trek, too, where, you know, when, when there's so many issues and so many episodes laying around, you know, th- there's just so much backstory that, um, you know... Eventually, you just kind of have to hit the reset button, I think. And, um, you know, comic books certainly have never had uh, any trouble doing that. And, you know, even Star Trek has done that now, obviously. Well, it's reset, recycle, reuse, (laughs) all those things. 
uh, you know, old storylines are revisited, redone. It, it happens. You're right. It happens everywhere. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, uh, I think that the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming uh, trailer was pretty cool. This is the thing that gets me again. Yet again and it's, it's um, the Vulture. That's the villain that Michael Keaton is playing. Uh, the Vulture looks a lot like Birdman to me. You know, from the previous, the previous Michael Keaton movie, and we're essentially getting Batman versus Spider Man in this movie. Yeah, well, in fairness, you know, re- really anything, anything that flies, you, you could draw a parallel to Birdman, Birdman, and and all the other deals. So it's every. I'm just waiting for them to just give the villains just 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 like a a cool but cheesy costume, you know. Uh, the, the vulture, I mean, you know, when you think about it, you look at the vulture in the comics, he's kind of an old dude with a craggly nose who wears a skin-tight green costume with a white ruffle around his sh- around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, DC has never had a problem doing that because, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, granted, we don't want to talk about this generation of uh, Batman movies, but, you know, Jim Carrey is the Riddler. He looked pretty ridiculous. So, DC, they're they're a little bit more likely to do that, right? Now, now I don't know about, you know, these days in the more gritty version of uh, DC, but certainly in previous versions. The grim dark DC, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the the more emo as as you, as you might say, the 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 more emo DC. This should be DC. Yeah, well, it's like it's the MCU. They, they, they always call it the DC Extended Universe or DCEO. <clears throat> we should call it the DC Emo. Yeah, that works. I like yeah. that. But uh, I, I will say, you know, if we learned anything from Star Trek Beyond, it's that sometimes the trailers can be somewhat, uh, I, I don't know if you'd say misleading, but, you know, maybe they don't give the, you know, obviously don't give the whole story. But, uh, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting was uh, when you compare uh, this version of Spider-Man to at least the Tobey Maguire version, he seemed like less of a whiny martyr and more of a a normal kid in this version. And I kind of appreciated that. Well, to me, the thing that kind of got me about the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, I mean, the first one was, was good. The second one was the best because it really did. <clears throat> it was Peter Parker Moore's kind of a sad sack, down on his luck kind of guy. Right. The yeah. thing is, it, it never had the humor. You know, Peter Parker was supposed to crack wise and 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 just um, even though everything was you know going south for him, he could always make jokes as things were going on, and they never quite got that in the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man movies. The first time you see the new Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War, I mean, you could tell they nailed the character. I mean, he was cracking wise the whole time, and uh, to the point where he's like, does anyone know how to get this kid to shut up? (laughs) It's just exactly exactly what the villains say in the comic books when they're fighting Spider-Man. That's his bit. He chatters to the whole thing to distract his enemies, so... That, that yeah, is, and you see that when he's uh, in the trailer when he's dealing with the bank robbers who are dressed as the Avengers. The Avengers, yes. And um, you see more of Peter Parker, brainy high school student who has to deal with things, which, again, that was the original 
thing about Spider-Man, the reason Spider-Man was so popular again in the 1960s is because you had kids reading the comic and going, wow, I, I could be Spider-Man. Spider-Man has the same problems that I do. And he stayed in high school for a while. And that's why I'm going, okay, will they do that now with this new Spider-Man? Or are they going to make the mistake that they did with friggin' uh, Tobey Maguire and even James uh, Garfield where he spends one movie in high school and after that, bam, already college problems. Yeah, not, now the actor's only 20 instead of, you know, Tobey Maguire was like 30 when he started. <laughs> so it was a little dumb to have him in high school. But, you know, now they could they could stick with it for a little while at least. You know, maybe maybe this movie and, you know, the sequel, the, the inevitable sequel. Wait, how long did the 90210 kids stay in high school? Oh, that's a valid point. They were, they were at least <laughs> in their 40s. <laughs> and then they finally, and, you know, and and come to think of it, I think that was the case with Saved by the Bell too. I think they they were yeah. they were pushing forty too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, actors, you know, they act, so they just act younger. That that's all they have now to they do. Can, yeah, I think it's now they have the whole bit where they de-age you using the CGI and keep yeah. you looking. Yeah, I mean, if they can make Robert Downey Jr. look like he's you know his his twenty-ish year old self again, hey hey, why not? Yeah, so I, I'm thinking with that. Um, yeah, that the uh, war for the planet of the apes. I don't know. It's like it seems like the new formula is let's advance the creation of the planet of the apes and just get a new person to fight the apes. So it was Gary Oldman in was it Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and now it's is it War War of the, on the Planet of the Apes? War with for the, the Planet of the Apes now with uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Um, <clears throat> it's like, uh, okay, um, what's the next one? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, because... Uh, the coin for the Planet of the Apes? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a, you know, they had a battle in, in the Planet of the Apes, and uh, or in, um, um, yeah, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. That was the last one, wasn't it? Battle for the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, so it was Battle for the Planet of the The first one was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Then Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Now it's War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I, at this point... Now, now I'm a big fan of the, the Apes movies, so because I'm part of the problem, I'm going to go see this movie no matter what. So, you know, let's, let's <laughs> preface this by just admitting that. I, you know, I'm kind of apocalypsed out. You know, I was thinking about this with, uh, with The Walking Dead, that, um, you know... I, can we just have something that doesn't involve the end of humanity? I mean, you know, Donald Trump was just elected president. Can we have a little bit of escapism that doesn't involve the end of the world? Because, you know, we're, we're kind of experiencing that in real life. <laughs> well, he is, he is um, putting a lot of apes on his cabinet. Uh, that, that, that is true. And, and you know, granted... Just from the trailer, as we were just discussing with Superman, Home, uh, Superman, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, you know there there's sometimes misleading. They don't give the the whole story, but it, we just saw him fight the apes in the last movie. Can we can we advance the football a little bit more than watching them fight the apes again? Well, I I, I never saw the Gary Oldman one. Although I will say. Seeing him so soon after the Dark Knight movies ended, it just looked like Commissioner Gordon was fighting the apes. 
So, <laughs> and and really, assume- really, when you look at the character, you know, Gary Oldman, he's he's a guy that you can, you know, he, he's he's not he's not like Johnny Depp level where it's just ridiculous. But but I mean, the the guy he can he can become pretty much anything. I mean, I think he's demonstrated mm-hmm. that. And you're right. He literally just was, I, I think, down to the glasses and everything. He was literally just Commissioner Gordon in that movie. I'm wondering if he maybe filmed that while he was on breaks from, you know, The Dark Knight Rises. Also, he couldn't change his look too much because he had to go back to filming? Yeah, just, you know, like on weekends, do the bat. I mean, I don't know. I mean, for all I know, it's just they said, just do it. And Gary Oldman said, this is the way I'm going to show up. <clears throat> You're paying me anyway. So yeah, it's not I- like you made- it's not like you made Charlton Heston change his look for any of these things. That's true. So. <laughs> and I, I've, I've never actually met Gary Oldman in person. Maybe that's just what he looks like. Yeah. So you have that, and you're wondering um, what's the next <clears throat> step, as you said. How do you move, you know, how do we yeah, really like, progress the story more? Like, like, I would have expected, you know, sort of the next step in the story, and this may very well be in this movie. Maybe they're just not showing it. But I would expect the next step in that story to be showing how humans become, you know, mute, essentially cavemen again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of the development of ape society as opposed to just watching them fight it out again. Now there's not as many opportunities for explosions in that, but you know, to, to me, that just seems like the next logical step in the story. Right. Because I remember at the end of the first <clears throat> Planet of the Apes, the rise of the Planet of the Apes, it was the virus or the whatever that they released was now traveling around the world and starting to whittle down human populations. Right. And, and actually, and, then, and actually in the, um, in, in, in that movie, it was, it was the aftermath of that. It was sort of the, the leftovers of, of humanity, but you know, they, they hadn't been reduced to what you see in the original Planet of the Apes movie. So that's yeah, that's what I mean. It, it seems like that's the next step in the story. And I just don't get why we're revisiting, you know, the apes and humans duking it out. I would have expected the, the humans to essentially be subjugated by now. By now. That means the <coughs> apes just aren't working for it. Do they really want to rule the world? And what about the other animals? I mean, why aren't the dolphins getting in on this? You know, well, they they're just as intelligent. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't have the uh, the virus that made them even more smarter. Yeah, but you're saying maybe a, an ape didn't go like swimming one day and encounter a dolphin and they passed it, and now we have super smart. I mean, you could bring in maybe that's the next Planet of the Apes movie, right? You know, now it'll be like the Day of the Dolphins. It'll be a Day of the Dolphin, Planet of the Apes, you know, crossover. That's actually, like, uh, you know, it, it'll be a sequel to the original Planet of the Apes movies. You know, rather than being something that happens before it, it'll be, you know, that's what happens after Charlton Heston leaves. Uh, the <laughs> Dolphins rise up and they beat the Apes. Yeah, you got to hand it to them, Marge. They just wanted it more. <laughs> <laughs> Also uh, this week, um, the uh, the trailer for the new uh, Christopher Nolan movie Dunkirk uh, dropped, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, Elliot, but it's uh, it, it's quite impressive. And so, um, you know, Dunkirk. If you if you don't know the story from uh, you know from from history, uh, essentially what happened was the 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 British and the French they had been fighting the Germans. The Germans um, basically kicked their butts, 
to the point where they were the entire allied force about 400,000 people was trapped at Dunkirk and it got to the point where in order to evacuate all the all the troops they had to like british civilians were bringing their yachts over to help evacuate people and um really it, it's one of those it's one of those big moments in world war 2 where we probably should have lost by all accounts because the Germans had advanced all the way up to Dunkirk, and for whatever reason, nobody quite knows, they just stopped for three days. And the three days gave the, the Allies enough time to get the, get the people out, and Dunkirk is the story of you know, them getting the people out. And they, they still lost like 70,000 people uh, you know, during the course of the evacuation, but, you know, I mean, they... they they saved almost 340,000 and that that's huge. And, you know, having, having that many troops, that was enough to keep Germany from, you know, being quite as anxious to invade England and, you know, probably gave us enough time to, uh, you know, to get into the fight and ultimately win. The thing that I'm most excited about with that is cause you know, it's another Chris Nolan film and, um, all his movies just seem to build upon things he's learned in the previous film. He always comes up with something, and he always figures out a way to show us something we haven't seen before. Um, you know, uh, the <clears throat> Inception was a huge thing. You know, now everyone's doing. Um, even before that, uh, the, the stories he would tell in things like um, uh, The Prestige, which was a brilliant film. Uh, so uh, I, I am really I'm, I'm I'm psyched. I'm really psyched. I, I, it's it's Chris Nolan giving us a look at war. Well, you know I don't know how 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 you can get look at war yet again from another perspective or such. But it, it, as you're saying, it's uh, something that um, we haven't really seen depicted yeah. on the screen. Yeah, and and it's easy to say. Well, you know they've made so many movies about World War Two, and um, I believe. I don't believe there's ever been a a movie specifically about Dunkirk, but I mean th- this is you know th- this is you know World War II in 1940. It's more than a year before the U.S. even gets involved, so I think it is something that that you know people haven't seen before, just from you know a, the perspective of the, of the actual historical event, and um, that that alone will be will be interesting and um the the thing i'm i'm looking forward to is uh you know because i'm i'm a big history buff and i'm really into the titanic and uh charles lightoller who is the second officer in the titanic he was the he was the senior most survivor of all the officers he was actually one of the civilians who took his yacht out crossed the english channel and brought troops back with him and, oh wow um, and I don't know that it'll factor into the story at all, but, uh, like, that that's a thing I'm going to be looking for. You know, like, uh, the people looking at Rogue One and trying to find the ghost from Star Wars Rebels, that's going to be me looking for looking for Charles Lightoller and his yacht. <laughs> well, I saw uh, Rogue One, and I couldn't find the, uh, the ghost, but more on that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, we're on that next week because you know we want to make sure that uh, people don't get spoiled by it too much. Correct. Uh, and uh, before we get into other things, uh, a little uh, word from our sponsors. 
of Tweaked Audio, the sponsors of Geek Counter Geek, with headphones and accessories offering key features like eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, designed to sound great for music and talk, especially our jibber-jabber here on Geek Counter Geek, noise-reducing design, and a lifetime warranty. If you order, use discount code GCG at checkout and get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. The code is not case-sensitive. You want to visit tweakedaudio.com. Again, that's tweakedaudio.com. Enter discount code GCG for a 33% discount and free worldwide shipping. And you know that little historical tidbit about uh, about the second officer of the Titanic being at Dunkirk? You know, that's that's just the sort of thing that the minutia men would be all over. You know, the the other uh, podcast here on the uh, on the Radio Misfits Network. I, I, I like to think I may have them scooped on that, but, uh, you know, you never know about that. Uh, I did also notice that uh, Jill Urchek has a, a new On a Quest podcast where she's uh, she's talking to a skeptic who basically says that uh, they can they can uh, disprove just about anything that people think is supernatural using science. Well, yes, wasn't that what the Ghostbusters did? But in reverse? Um, it it kind of is, isn't it? You know, it's funny that they were supposed to be busting ghosts when in, react, they, in reality they were proving that ghosts existed. That mm. That is kind of ironic. Yeah. yeah. I, I never thought of it that way. Um, and then, of course, then my favorite uh, fellow, you know, well, not fellow, with sister, our sister, a sister podcast? Podcasting the colleagues. Dishing, co- podcasting casting, uh, colleagues? The Dishing Bitches, who, you know, uh, always talk about, they, they are what The View could have been if the panelists just got drunk all the time and use salty language yeah i might watch that so you know it seems seems like a winning idea to me (laughs) i love me some dishing bitches and i'm gonna i'm gonna admit it right now i'm gonna sound really funny but how many times have you talked about minutia men on this podcast and i just got the pun Yep. Well, you know, it's uh, that that just means it's a really clever pun, right? If it if it but takes it you just second, got, just went right by me. How many times? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I uh, well, it, it's it, when you when you listen to them and you and you hear what they're talking about, it's definitely minutia. So, you know, maybe it maybe you have to listen to it to to sort of pick up on that. But uh, so. I know you were not, you were not huge into Westworld, were you? Because we we talked about it a couple times, but uh, I, I know you had not uh, had not watched it at all. I don't think, but uh, they just had their uh, their season finale, and um, you know, no no spoilers, but somewhat Terminator esque. Uh, I'll just I'll just say that uh, it you know it, it it sort of got back to its roots from the the original movie, but uh, so. That has had huge ratings, and Game of Thrones has had huge ratings, and so HBO is, you know, really on a on a pretty good sci-fi fantasy kick, and now they've decided to partner with uh, Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams on another show called Glare, 
which is uh, really they should probably call it lens flare instead of glare. But it's about uh, it's about a group of people colonizing another planet. So I'm thinking that that's a group of people whose spaceship has crashed on a deserted planet. Uh, we're going to find out at the end that they were all dead all, all, the whole time, right? <laughs> I mean, to me, I remember probably one of the most clever and succinct ways they talked about um, colonizing uninhabitable worlds. Remember that scene in Aliens when the um, they're having that inquest with uh, Ripley about what happened to the Nostromo and all the uh, Wayland, uh, Tommy. I want to say Tommy, but that's not what it was. Um, they're they're asking her about you know what they found, and they don't want to believe her. And the throwaway line then she goes, "What happened on the planet?" And then the executive goes, "Well, oh no, it's it's we send these big machines up there that kind of like create an atmosphere, and then we go and we populate it. It's kind of we call it a shake a shake and bake operation." You know, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, <clears throat> wow. See, that is that was next step thinking when it comes to colonizing planets. You just send these machines up there to pretty much create the atmosphere over time, and then you send your people. I'm wondering if that's something that they're going to explore uh, on the show because if I know J.J. Abrams and he knows his sci-fi, um, there is not an idea that he won't steal. <laughs> <laughs> if we've learned anything from our <laughs> our interactions with J.J. Abrams, uh, the, the various J.J. Uh, Abrams projects, yes, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, sometimes he does the idea better than the original, but but yeah, you're right. He, he does like to steal ideas occasionally. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of minutiae, I, I think it would be interesting, you know, and, and this, uh, this would be... Uh, actually a, a legitimate issue in the next, you know, 20, certainly, but but maybe even as little as 10 years, is sort of the logistics of how you would actually govern a colony and how it would interact with Earth. You know, like, like, like if it was a group of Americans, would they... Would they become a state? Because you can't really have representatives, you know, there and on Earth, because how could you be a representative of the people of Mars if you're not on Mars? And, and would, it follow, would it follow the rules of, like, let's say, an embassy? Yeah, I, well, yeah, but, but if it's American citizens, then, you know, it, it wouldn't be an embassy because you're, you're still American citizens. So... You know, maybe that's just something a big dork like me would be interested in, but that that's something I'd like to see, you know, someone take a stab at. I don't know if it's a TV series or, you know, a book or, or whatever, but, you know, somebody sit down and, and jot that down, how that would work. Nuke hmm. Gingrich, I'm looking at you. You got nothing better to do. No, no. He, he, needs, to, <laughs> he, he, got, he needs to go away. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't that wasn't explored in the Martian Chronicles. I'm I'm having vague recollections of the Martian Chronicles and them talking about how society kind of worked on Mars with the human colonists there. 
Uh, they spent a little bit of time on that, but I don't remember a whole lot uh, on, you know, sort of like the, the Martian relationship with Earth. Right. Um, you know, are, 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 you st- are you still an American at that point? Or, are, you know, are you still Chinese? Are you still, you know, well, I guess those are probably the only two actual countries. Any other group would probably be a group of countries. But, you know, are, are you still a citizen? But, you know, they can't really tax you because, you know, you're... You're a hundred million miles away, so you know, are you really a citizen anymore? Or are you, you know, establishing your own country? And and if they do that, but they're Americans at first, and then they decide that they don't want to do that anymore, do we go all British on them and and say no, you're going to continue to be Americans, or do we say, hey, you know what, we're going to let you be uh, independent? And you know, how would all that work? Will you have free elections? Will Putin be able to interfere with them? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are the odds <laughs> that would happen? What are the odds? Well, I, oh, I do, actually, Elon Musk was was asked a, a little bit about that. You know, what what would the government look like? You know, if you do send people to Mars, and he had a brilliant idea. At least I think it's brilliant. He said um, it would be a d- direct democracy because I mean, there's. You know, it's small enough that you could do that effectively, but it would be a direct, direct democracy and you need 60 percent to pass a law and 40 percent to take one away. Hmm. That I, makes sense. I, I, I love that idea. I think that's the best. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because uh, you're already I mean, you're already working within with a group of folks. You're already assuming you're working with a group of folks that understand how society should work. And that you do need a structure to it. Right. And my guess is if you're going to send colonists to another planet, they're probably going to be your smartest people. So. Yeah, you're not going to be sending a whole lot of morons, uh, especially in the first uh, <laughs> first few waves. You're, the first you know, few waves. Yeah. No morons. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, you know. There's probably going to be some sort of, uh, I mean, you know, again, especially the first couple waves, you know, if you bring the wrong people, it's possible everybody might die because of that. So you you want to you want to there's going to be certain standards. Well, I want to now. I want to do the story about Earth after the great smart people migration to Mars. And how all the morons who've been left behind kind of like deal with it. I think that, that was actually Atlas Shrugged, uh, Elliot. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been a bit, I've never read Ayn Rand, so. Uh, you know what? Yeah, you haven't missed a whole lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, but uh, so now, obviously, by the time most people hear this, Rogue One will be out in theaters. But, you know. Not everybody will have seen it, so I, I don't want to get into uh, Rogue One yet. But, you know, I, I think next week will be our, our Rogue One uh, spectacular. But it is just about Christmas time. And, and I, f- I feel like we have to tackle perhaps the most divisive issue we've ever tackled here on Geek Counter Geek. Uh, it's divided families. Uh, friendships have ended over it. Is Die Hard really a Christmas movie? Elliot, your your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm gonna say this is this has really raised my ire because this has been going around on social media. Um, I think probably 
some of the most arrogant and self-serving tweets I've ever seen are those folks who insist that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And I'm sorry, they are wrong. They are absolutely freaking wrong. Die Hard is a Christmas movie because two things. One, it takes place on Christmas, all right? It takes place during the Christmas season. Two, when John McClane kills one of the terrorists... He puts, he writes on the terrorist, ho, 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 now I have a gun. So. And then you, you end up with the, uh, the immortal Alan Rickman uh, repeating that, which is yes. one of the, one of the best scenes in cinematic history. Best scenes in cinematic history. So not only is it um, um, a Christmas movie, but it is the best product placement and best commercial for the NRA that you will ever see. <laughs> They're playing that all the time at NRA meetings. They put that clip up. Ho, ho, ho. I have a gun. Cut to little Billy under the Christmas tree pulling out his new AR-15. Going, yes. Yes. Yes! You know, because he's really excited about that. Right. Well, you, you make a good point about the fact that, uh, you know, it takes place during Christmas. Which, uh, you know, that, that's something to keep in mind. But, you know, more so, you know, I, th I think that, um, you know, wh whether something uh, is a Christmas movie or, or not, or, you know, it, it all comes down to tradition. And if you're, you know, obviously you're, you're watching that movie. I, I think it came out around Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, yep. And so, especially because of that, you know, it, it, it might be something that, you know, you're, you're going to make part of your Christmas tradition. And so, you know, there's no reason why, why it couldn't be a part of your Christmas tradition. So that, that's why I would uh, point to, it's perfectly reasonable for it to be a Christmas movie. I mean, why, why does everyone consider Gremlins to be a Christmas movie? Because it occurs during Christmas. Right. And, you know, much like, uh, you know, there, there are, you know, iconic scenes from, uh, from Die Hard, you know, that are, are very Christmas related. Uh, Gremlins mm. produced the greatest uh, scene, uh, the greatest Santa Claus story in cinematic <laughs> history. <laughs> I know. I remember. Uh, that. We're talking therapy. Kids needed therapy after that part. <laughs> it's probably it's it's both uproariously hilarious, and it it, it makes you kind of sad too. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling I'm telling you, there's a meme going around right now on the internet where it says it shows two photos, one photo showing. You know, uh, like a photo of something meaning, representing the beginning of 2016 and um, the second photo showing the end of 2016. And I would say if you use gremlins as a guideline, the beginning of 2016 is your mall Santa and the end of 2016 is Santa dead in a chimney. So, <laughs> you know. That would, that would kind of gremlin sums up um, 2016 pretty well. It, it just, you know, see, here's the thing. 
even if you can fit down the chimney itself, <laughs> actually getting climbing out through the fireplace, to me, that's probably going to end up being a deal breaker. So lesson from, from Geek Counter Geek, don't try to go down the chimney. You're going to get stuck in the flu. The Proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.